What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today's episode, we're going to keep this little blend going of some life lessons mixed with some really solid nutrition advice that I feel like we, we've got a good rhythm going and I want to keep that up. Actually, today is going to be an interesting discussion because I want to talk about some of the traditional diets that are out there and which ones you should be considering and which ones you should be running away from. And I think the answer might surprise you. It just might surprise you. I think that um, we kind of find ourselves in this two ends of the extreme when it comes to nutrition advice. There's a lot of people out there that are like, you know, fuck diet culture and every diet is bad and they don't really provide any context. They're just anti just to be anti. And then there's other people that will push these like fad protocols down your throat. Be like, this is the gold standard. This is how you lose weight quickly. And as always, there's a middle ground. I don't know why we're so afraid of the middle ground. Like we love to live in this all or nothing way of thinking where things have to be labeled and it has to be black and white and it has to be this versus that. Like there's always some kind of middle ground. And I think that that's often where the answer lives and most people avoid it, which is frankly why most people struggle. Anyway, so I want to break that down and just have an honest conversation about what we should be looking at when it comes to traditional diets. I think that it's it's really unfortunate to just speak in absolutes. And it actually brings up a good point. Let, let me just interject real quick. Before I continue, because I can already sense that I'm about to head down a tangent. So let me save myself from myself. Most importantly, the first thing that you should be doing right now is leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Consider that that's the most important task for your day. Um, Is it really? Probably not, but it would mean the world to me. Number two, you should be taking a screenshot of this episode right now and posting it to your stories and tagging me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And number three, you should copy the episode link and then send it to all of your friends and family members who would enjoy this podcast, which may only be like one or two people because who really wants to listen to me ramble? Anyway, I was about to head down this tangent, which is we speak in absolutes and oftentimes we do <laughs> we, we do so because we want to make valid points. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, I posted something recently that I didn't think was controversial, but apparently a lot of people were like, wait, there, it was like very split. There were some people who were like, yes, preach it, bro. And then there was other people who were like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you, you're, you're not making any sense. So I had shared a post that was from a, um, I don't even know what to call him, a nutritional expert of some sort who made a post about adrenal fatigue. And the post was like, Hey, there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. You're simply drinking too much coffee and not sleeping. Your adrenals actually can't fatigue. So sorry to disappoint you. It was something along those lines. And I shared the post. And what I said was that this is a perfect example of being valid, but not useful. And this is a concept that I've been digging into a lot lately because there's an amazing um, 
an amazing paper that was published in the Harvard Business Review called Teaching Smart People How to Learn. Highly recommend everybody look that up. And it talks about this concept of, of validity versus utility, where we've been conditioned to make valid points. And especially people, this, this particular person is, is a doctor who's very intelligent. And it's even more so with, with smart people who, who struggle with this. Intelligent people only focus on making valid points because that's how we've been taught. That's how we've been conditioned. Now, maybe me not being very intelligent, I haven't struggled with that as much because I like to be useful. But this, this paper talks about how, you know, like if you look at a debate, debate winners are selected based on who made the most valid points, but are they useful? Utility is what matters. Usefulness. Like, is it actually useful? So my point was that telling somebody that adrenal fatigue isn't real might be valid because it's not a scientifically accepted condition currently. However, is it useful? And my position is that no, it's not useful at all. Just like I don't think it's useful to tell people that a calorie deficit is needed for weight loss. And if you just look at human behavior, well, obesity is getting higher and higher. We're we're becoming sicker and fatter year over year. This is just reporting statistics. I'm not judging. This is just what's happening. So telling people that a calorie deficit is needed for weight loss, has that really been useful? Or is it just simply a valid point that people like to say because they sound smart? They're like, well, this, this is the science. This is valid, right? Like, That's not really useful though. Why don't you tell somebody something that's more useful, like eating protein with every meal and then explaining why protein is so important for satiety and for hormone health and for muscle and like your metabolism. That's useful because now I have something to to do with that information. I can apply that information. I can start eating more protein. Valid is adrenal fatigue isn't real. Okay, that's valid. But somebody who's experiencing the symptoms of what they would classify as adrenal fatigue, who cares if it's called adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction? Who cares what we're naming it? The symptoms are real. So now you tell somebody, hey, what you're experiencing isn't a real condition. You're just not sleeping well and you're drinking too much coffee. And the person's like, well, shit. I I thought that what I was feeling was real, but now I'm being told it's not. And if you don't believe me, I literally got a message that was almost this exact thing that was like, this woman was devastated because she felt completely invalidated from what she was experiencing. She was like, am I making this all up? And I'm like, no, you're not making it up. What you're feeling is real. Who cares what the label is? And this is my point. It's It's not useful to just say adrenal fatigue isn't real. It's valid. But now we have to think in terms of like, what would actually help somebody? So what would help somebody is like, hey, it doesn't matter what we label this condition. What matters is what you're experiencing and the symptoms and getting to the root cause of why this is happening. So let's address your lifestyle, your nutrition, your training and recovery, the stress in your life, all of these things that could potentially be leading to what you feel like is adrenal fatigue, who cares what the scientific community 
accepts as the proper term. It's just a fucking label. Who cares? HPA axis dysfunction, fine. Whatever you want to use, what matters is providing useful information to help somebody who is what they're experiencing is real. And now you're making them feel invalidated. You're making them feel like, well, what I'm experiencing isn't a real condition. It makes them feel lost. Now, somebody also messaged me and was like, well, if someone knows that adrenal fatigue isn't real, then it would prevent them from buying supplements that are just you know, a, a ploy to get them to think that they have something that's not real and then spend all this money on supplements that actually aren't going to help. Now, my opinion is that there are very few people, if any, that would read a post that says adrenal fatigue isn't real and then think to themselves, oh, what I'm experiencing isn't real, so I shouldn't buy any supplements that claim to solve my symptoms, right? If you understand why somebody buys a supplement, typically it's because there is the promise being made that what they're experiencing will be solved with this supplement. Like for somebody who is experiencing the symptoms of adrenal fatigue, what they feel like are the symptoms of adrenal fatigue. If somebody has a supplement and they're saying that, hey, I'm going to solve this problem that you have, and they believe them, they're going to buy them. A simple post saying adrenal fatigue isn't real is not going to stop that person from buying in to a promise to solve a pain that they're experiencing. What would be more beneficial is for that person who made that post to offer something useful as a solution, because there's a gap that now exists. You've now basically told somebody that their experience isn't real. What they're experiencing is not valid. So they're going to look for something else. So you're, my opinion is you're driving them even more towards a quick fix and not to address the root issue because there was nothing useful about that comment. What would have been useful is you know, here's what you can do. If you're experiencing the symptoms of what you would typically call adrenal fatigue. Now, even though adrenal fatigue is not a scientifically accepted condition, here are some of the common symptoms that people often associate with adrenal fatigue. And here are some of the things that you can assess from a lifestyle and nutrition and training standpoint that will help. That's useful. Now I can take that information and apply it and maybe I don't fall into the false promise of some kind of a, a supplement that, that claims to cure everything, right? Now, supplements are another really good example of people, like people love to make valid points about supplements, but then they don't offer any utility. They don't offer anything useful. So you'll hear a lot of people who are like, well, supplements don't really do anything. Okay. Um, is that valid? No. I mean, I could argue that that's not even valid, but a lot of times, like I'll say my stance is like, you know, supplements are kind of like the last piece and they, and they only move the needle a little bit, but the utility of supplements, it's number one, filling in holes. Like you have a gap that needs to be filled. Supplements can do that. And number two, it's habit. It's like telling somebody that supplements are useless. Like, oh, supplements don't do anything. Don't bother. 
However, what about the person who just really likes to get into the habit of taking something that's prioritize, like doing something for themselves, it's prioritizing their health. They get into a quality habit of like taking a, you know, having a greens drink every single morning. And that kicks off their day with a healthy habit that then carries over into the rest of their day. So now we're taking something and we're like, well, you know, a greens drink is not going to change your physique. Okay. That's, that's probably valid. But if the greens drink is helping them stay consistent with other healthy habits, then it's really a strong catalyst for change, right? And it could be filling a void. For somebody who is struggling to get in enough protein, let's say you're like a plant-based athlete. Let's say you're vegan and you struggle to get in enough protein. Well, now are we going to say that taking a like vegan protein powder is not useful? Of course it's useful. It fills a void, right? This is why like People always ask me, like, you know, if you're so much into like the lifestyle and sustainable change, how come you talk about supplements? How come you promote things like Organifi and your own neurotype supplements? So, you know, then that's really the only two things that I talk about. Um, Organifi, it's the exact reason that I just said it's useful for the person that needs to fill the void. Maybe they're not getting in enough veggies. Okay, take their greens powder. The maybe the vegan athlete take their their protein. They have an amazing vegan protein powder. I cannot tell you how many questions I get uh, from plant-based athletes of how do I get in more protein? Well, here's an easy, low barrier way of doing that. It's right there. It's super simple. So that is useful. There is use case for that. There is utility for that. I don't care about making valid points. I care about helping people. And if somebody's starting their day with some greens, if somebody filling in the gaps with some protein, that's a beautiful thing because it's a very low barrier of entry. So the reason why I partnered with Organifi and was able to hook you guys up with 20% off Organifi.com slash popfam, code popfam at checkout. The reason for that is because I believe in the utility of filling the gaps and having some habits that are low barrier that can set up for a stronger overall healthy lifestyle, right? Like if I start that day with my greens drink, I travel with their greens powder, I use it. People who struggle getting in enough protein who are maybe plant-based or just want something, maybe whey doesn't sit well with you. Maybe you get skin issues from whey or you don't digest it as well. Great. Organifi has a vegan protein powder. That's the perfect option for you. Go to Organifi.com. Use code POPFAM at checkout to get 20% off all of their products. Try the greens, try the protein. I love their gold juice. I love their red juice. Just they have some amazing products. Right now, they have a uh, greens um, crisp apple that I 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, Organifi is spelled O R G A N I F I dot com slash popfam, P O P F A M. And then just use code popfam at checkout um, and get yourself hooked up. The reason why I talk about the neurotype supplements. And those will be out to the public very soon. Right now, they're only available to people who are in our challenge, but you might hear an announcement in the next week or so about the rest of the products um, or the products, I'm sorry, being available to everybody. So the neurotype supplements, are it's very simple. My belief is if we put you in the best state of mind, meaning you have the right brain chemicals at the right levels at the right time, you're going to be more consistent, period better mood, 
more motivated, more disciplined, more committed, less procrastination, less laziness, less feeling unmotivated, right? It's very simple. I believe that change begins in your mind. I think it starts in your brain. And scientifically, that would be proven accurate because we know that the metabolism literally starts in your brain. The hypothalamus is the control center for everything. All of the stuff that we want to accomplish, when we try to physically force ourselves, we're looking at the wrong place first. Our body matters, but your body doesn't matter if you ignore your brain. Okay, so let's take care of your brain first and then take care of your body. That's exactly how I formulated the neurotype supplement line. For each personality type, it's to optimize the right brain chemicals at the right levels at the right time. So that way you have more motivation to train, you get more out of each session, you recover more effectively from each session, you have less stress in your life, you're able to sleep better, all of these things that lead to body composition changes. So no, I'm not going to sit here and say that, uh, you know, supplements are the biggest rock, you know, like I think that supplements are kind of the last piece of the puzzle. But in this case, we have a low barrier of entry, easy habit to create that gets you in the right frame of mind, better mood, feeling more like yourself, better focus, better mental clarity. All of a sudden, you're doing the things on a day-to-day basis that actually move the needle. You see how that works? So we take this low barrier of entry thing that anyone can do, and it compounds into big rocks that then transform your body. Start with the brain, then move to the body. That's how we do things. Um, so I know that was a, a long tangent, but I just wanted to explain what I mean by uh, useful versus valid. It is way more effective. Now, if you can be valid and useful, that's the gold standard, right? That's the gold standard. But most people only focus on validity and they completely ignore utility. Am I actually giving some, someone something that they can tangibly walk away with and, and derive some sense of utility from? And I find that smart people in particular struggle with that the most. And again, because I'm not smart, that's probably why I don't struggle with it as much. Um, but go read uh, how to teach, um, teaching smart people how to learn in the Harvard Business Review Journal. Uh, it is 10 out of 10 recommend, uh, great read. Anyway, so I want to talk about the uh, traditional diets that are out there and and kind of go over like what you should be looking for, which ones you might want to consider, which ones you might want to stay away from. Um, as somebody who has tried it all, I can tell you that uh, it, it can be like the Wild West out there. And there's a lot of things that I certainly would not have put myself through, but I learned a lot from each experience. So I think all of your previous dieting experiences should equip you with making more informed decisions today, in theory. Now, it depends on how you perceive that information. Like, if I hear somebody else say like, hey, you know, I lost 30 pounds on keto and I gained it all back, should I do keto again? My question is, do you, is your goal to lose weight and gain it back? Because if yes, great. It sounds like keto is really effective for you because you lost weight and gained it back. So if that's your goal, lose it and gain it back, then it sounds like you should do keto again. Uh, but a lot of times we just, 
misunderstand what success actually means. Are we doing this for a short period of time or do you want to be healthy and fit for life? So understand the filter that you're using. It's so easy to look back at all of the, the programs that you've tried in the past and to say like, well, I was the problem and I'm a failure and I wasn't disciplined enough. The reality is it might have just been a horrible fit for you. So like, what are the things that we should be looking at? What are the positives? What are the negatives? Um, so that's kind of what I want to break down. And I, in my opinion, with traditional diets, there are kind of like four big categories that we look at. Um, and I think that, look, when it comes to diet, dietary success in general, you should know my position on this. I talk about it all the time. Sustainability is really important. So if you ever find yourself in a position where you're not willing to do the thing forever, um, you shouldn't be doing the thing at all. And that's just my own personal take. Because if I, if I have to suck something up and be miserable for a short period of time to get a result, then that's the thing that I'm going to have to continue doing. And I don't, like, if I'm miserable, why would I sign up for that? I think that we, we get caught up when we're always so focused on, on the end game. We're always so focused on the end goal that we lose sight of all the stuff that needs to happen to get there. We're like so clouded by this picture perfect vision of how we'll look and feel when we're 20 pounds lighter and when we fit better in our clothes. Here's another thing to remember about humans. We absolutely suck at predicting future emotional states. This is a cognitive dissonance that we all have. When we think into the future about good shit happening, we overestimate how good that good shit will feel. Similarly, when we think into the future about bad shit happening, we overestimate how bad that bad shit will feel. That is human nature. That is a cognitive dissonance that we all are born with, that we all live with. We absolutely suck at predicting future emotional states. So when you start to think about your goals, you are likely putting them on a pedestal that they shouldn't be on. But you're so focused on that, how good that's going to feel that you lose sight of what's happening in the here and now. So you're like, yeah, I'll give up my social life and I don't need to drink. And who needs to have dinner with my family anyway? Like, fuck my kids. They'll be fine. I'll just be in my corner with my protein shake. It's no worries. Like we sacrifice a lot because we're so focused on how good that result will feel. And then we wake up and we're like, actually, I hate my life. And I don't even care about these results anymore because I'm miserable. Right. So like, let's, let's remember that the action steps to get there are going to be the most important. So let me go through the big four categories and just give you my take on each of them before I, I kind of explain how you should be approaching just your nutrition in general. In my opinion, again, you don't have to listen to me. Um, I'm not very intelligent. I don't have a lot of insightful things to say. I just like to rant on a podcast and some people find it entertaining. So the first uh, category, what I consider to be food elimination diets. Now that would include like keto, that would include carnivore, that would include Atkins, basically any protocol where you're like taking away food groups. Okay. Like keto, you're not eating carbs, carnivore, you're only eating meat, Atkins, you're basically not eating carbs, anything that's like you're taking away a food group altogether. Um, the good, let's start with the good. 
it can potentially help with getting in enough fats and protein. Uh, a lot of people underconsume protein. So if you're taking away carbs, but you're still trying to get in calories, the only other places you can get them from are protein and fats. So even though keto technically is low to moderate protein, most people don't do it that way. I know it's a fun fact. Most people think they're doing keto. You aren't actually doing keto, but for all intents and purposes, you know, getting in more protein and fats can be helpful, um, especially people who go way too low on fats because uh, fats are really important for our hormonal profile. Most of our important hormones in the body, sex hormones and, um, you know, the hormones that we need to function are um, kind of fabricated from cholesterol. Cholesterol is, is the initial like building block for many of the hormones that we produce in our body. So getting in adequate dietary quality fats, dietary cholesterol, omega-3s, is an, it's important for the hormonal environment in your body. If you're way too low on fat, that can be a negative. You might feel like crap. Um, you might start to notice some hormonal issues. By the way, the same thing can happen with uh, not getting in enough carbs. So it's important to, typically to, to be mindful of how certain things make you feel. Anyway, so the positive can be, the good can be potentially getting in more protein and more fats, especially for those who are tend, who tend to underconsume those things. And for individuals who have a significant amount of weight to lose, who are very sedentary, okay? If you are very overweight or obese and you don't move a lot, that can be a solid option because the demand for carbohydrate in the body isn't going to be as high. Now, even though carbs are the, prior, the preferred fuel source for your brain and your body, if you're um, very sedentary, you're not as active and you have a significant amount of weight to lose, there's probably going to be some insulin resistance going on there. So it can be a decent option for those who are very sedentary with a lot of weight to lose. Uh, let's go with the bad. The bad is pretty fucking tough as a lifestyle, right? Like there's no accommodating for real life on these protocols. Like I like pizza. I like sushi. I like cookies. I like ice cream. None of that shit is allowed on keto, carnivore, Atkins, any of that stuff, right? Like, can I get some fucking, some pizza, please? Like just a slice. That's all I need, but there's really not much wiggle room for having a life. So that's the bad. The bad is it doesn't really accommodate for real life. It doesn't accommodate for having a social life. It doesn't accommodate for like family events or birthdays or any of that stuff, which is kind of important. If you want to enjoy the process, like those things matter. So something to consider. And then the ugly. So we're going to go the good, the bad, the ugly. The ugly is it can create a lot of health issues. It can create some hormonal issues. Um, and most importantly, from my perspective is the neurotransmitter implications. If you are like I, I talked about having the right brain chemicals at the right levels at the right time, going keto, um, that can significantly reduce serotonin and have you feeling more depressed, uh, depressive like symptoms, I should say, less contentment. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of neurotransmitter issues that can arise from uh, protocols like that. And it depends on the person always, but that's why I'm saying the ugly can be health issues. Um, it can create more stress on the system. It can create worse blood markers, a worse neurotransmitter environment. Um, and for anyone who's active, that can be really ugly because 
It's not conducive to building muscle and you're eliminating the preferred energy source, uh, especially for people who strength train and uh, actually want to live an active lifestyle. Uh, the second category I consider like the point or calorie counting type of diets. So the big ones that I would look at would be like Weight Watchers, Noom, um, even ones that are like like Stronger You, um, Macros Inc., like things like that where it's very calculated and formulaic, so to speak. Like there's no individualization. It's like, hey numbers like like you're just a data point you're just a number it's like hey number here are your numbers now hit your numbers and be a good number and then when you're like well i didn't hit my numbers they're like hit these numbers better and just do good at your data like it's there's no coaching involved right it's just like points and calorie counting and things like that so those would be the ones like obviously weight watchers you're counting points noom is calorie counting um the positive the good it can create some awareness around food choices. Like tracking and measuring can be really helpful and informative. My belief is that everybody should spend at least 30 days of their life tracking, measuring, weighing their food to create awareness around what they're eating. Awareness around nutrition labels, food labels, awareness around how much you're eating, how certain foods make you feel, that sort of thing. It's, it's very beneficial. So tracking, measuring as an awareness tool, I think that everybody should do it for at least a short period of time uh, in their life. The negative, the bad, is that you're still grading food. Like you're creating this dichotomous relationship of good versus bad. Like Weight Watchers, it's all based off of point allocation. So, you know, you have some foods that are like free points and you're like, ooh, those are good foods. Then you have some foods that are a lot of points and you're like, oh, shit. Those are too many points. I don't want to eat those. So now you're creating this relationship of good versus bad. And we know that there is a direct connection between good versus bad thinking around food and poor weight maintenance. So the people that think in terms of black and white, good versus bad, they struggle to maintain a healthy body weight. So you're basically establishing a disordered relationship with food. Now with Noom, they do like a red, yellow, green type of thing where it's like, there's a red foods list, which is like, don't eat these. There's a yellow, which is like, proceed with caution. And then there's a green, which is like, go all in on these foods. Once again, you're creating this poor relationship, good versus bad thinking. Um, similarly, with a lot of those uh, macro cal you know, calculator type programs, uh, they're enforcing a rigid formulaic system that doesn't account for you know, human nature and personality and behavior and lifestyle, it just reduces you to a data set, which is such a small piece of the puzzle. Like if you only have one lever to pull and they're like, these are the numbers to hit. Uh, and then the only thing is like, hit these numbers more effectively or hit different numbers. Like you're not a calculator. And that also sets up an obsessive relationship with food where you become married to the data. That's like if you were only to use the scale and nothing else to measure progress, it wouldn't be really effective. So I think that for, for these programs, um, they just don't really enforce a lifelong approach. Now, I think as a short-term intervention, it can be kind of useful from, from an awareness piece, although I would say that there's probably more effective ways to do that um, without being so married to the data. The bad is the relationship with food. It's not really a long-term behavior 
modification. Like, can you live without macros? And if you're like, no, I can't, like, that's kind of a red flag. Can you live without counting points? We know that Weight Watchers brags about people not being able to sustain the results off their program, which is the craziest thing to brag about. How can you brag about people struggling without needing you? If the whole point is to create self-reliant individuals who know how to be healthy and fit for life, then you're failing. If they need you, you're failing. You should be teaching them how to do this on their own. So if you're lost without points, if you're lost without weighing and measuring and tracking, that's a red flag. That's something that we have to work on. Um, And the ugly is, I kind of just alluded to it, but like it's oftentimes too restrictive and it doesn't teach you anything long-term. Now, Noom claims to be psychologically driven. It's like, hey, we got a bunch of psychologists on board, uh, but it's anything but. If you actually look into the program, there's a lot of false claims. They are just calorie counting. There is nothing psychologically advantageous about that. There's lots of false claims. Uh, Weight Watchers, like I just said, they brag about customers coming back to them after they leave, which just simply illustrates their clients don't know how to maintain. They don't know how to live life. They've become dependent on their system. Now, how can, you know, like Noom will say, this is a lifestyle. This isn't a diet. How can you say it's a lifestyle and then give out 1200 calorie plans while grading food choices? That's not a lifestyle. A lifestyle is not grading food choices. A lifestyle is not 1200 calories. Doesn't add up. So that's the ugly. Number three of the the big four categories, we have MLM slash meal replacement diets. We're looking at Optavia, Isogenics, Advocare, Herbalife. I don't know. I don't even know how many there are. They, I swear, it's probably the same company that owns all of them and they just repackage and rebrand all of their shit. Um, I don't know when these will stop. I hope that they stop soon because when I tried to outline the good, I really can't think of anything. I'm, I would love to be able to say, oh, the good in these programs is blank, but I am drawing a blank. I have no idea. Uh, maybe you like the taste of their products, but I got to be honest, even that is a stretch because there's probably shit that tastes better, that has more natural ingredients, that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. I don't know. I can't think of a positive. Uh, the bad, you're taking away real food and you're replacing it with overpriced chemicals. If you want protein shakes and bars, that's totally fine. You don't need to spend $400 a month on that. If you're spending $400 a month on fake chemicals, how about you put that towards real coaching that will teach you sustainability? Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense to do something where you're not eating real food that you want to eat in real life. And I don't care if you're going to convince yourself that this is a short-term intervention. Like I said, if that's what you are willing to do for the rest of your life, maybe, although that would be really dangerous because you're barely eating. However, it doesn't teach you how to eat food like a human, right? Like just buying a product that is not real food, even like I'm not I don't like meal plans, but at least with a meal plan, you're like getting real food and you have to go to the grocery store and learn how to prepare food. And there's some relevance to real life. Like this really has no redeeming quality. So um, 
yeah, put that money towards something that will actually help you long-term. That's actually sustainable. Um, I don't care what they claim is in their stuff. It's just, there's zero benefits. Um, that's about as, as blunt as I can say it. The ugly, and trust me, there is a lot of ugly with these programs. They're insanely low calorie. Now, 1,200 calories seems to be like the gold standard, which I believe is too low for 99.9% of the population. I think that even 1,400 calories is too low for most of the population. Um, they're like 1,000 calories or lower. And in the case of Optavia, they tell you not to strength train. So it almost feels like there's an intentional wrecking of the metabolism that is taking place. Like why? When we know that going super low calorie slows down your metabolism, we also know that going super low calorie uh, eats at your muscle. So you're going to lose muscle. You're not going to lose as much fat. You're going to burn more muscle. You're going to look worse. And we're going to take away strength training. So let's just remove the other component that helps your metabolism. And let's just create this shit storm of an environment and guarantee that everybody gains the weight back plus interest. Like this is the perfect recipe for a metabolic disaster. It's why all of their clients who lose weight gain them all back, gain it all back plus interest. There's a reason. It's because the system makes absolutely zero sense. It's not valid and it's not useful. Okay. So there's a lot of ugly. And um, I don't, you know, I don't, if somebody wants to tell me that they've that they did this and they like maintain their results and they live a quality and healthy lifestyle and they're able to like eat real food and support their metabolism, then I am totally happy to change my mind. But the way that it's set up, uh, that just doesn't seem possible. And I haven't heard of it yet. Now I have had people who have gotten on the phone with me that were like, well, I did it for a year and I maintained my results for a year. I'm like, okay, great. And what happened after that? Like, well, life happened and then I lost all my progress and now I'm like 20 pounds heavier than I've ever been. And I'm like, okay, got it. So it didn't work is what you're saying. Like, I don't care how you want to spin it. If you didn't sustain it, you didn't sustain it. Whatever your excuse is, it's okay. It's okay to say, you know what? That program sucks. I don't want to do that again. I know it's easy. I know it sounds simple. You're like, yeah, sure. Just like give me this fake shit and I'll throw it in my body, but it's not worth it. Anyway, number four, meal plan type programs like Jenny Craig, uh, the good, like I said, there's at least there's, there's meals, like at least it's food. Um, and it's less cognitive load for a lot of people. They like that. Like, I don't have to think about what I'm eating. I can just, you know, follow this meal plan. Um, the bad zero accommodation for real life. Again, like what do you do when you want to be social? What do you want to, what do you do when you want to have a different family dinner and it's not perfectly outlined on your meal plan? Um, you know, it's just, it's not sustainable for real life. And then the ugly is it teaches you nothing about how to make proper food choices. It teaches you nothing about healthy habits. How about you take the time to learn how to fish instead of just buying a fish? Like it's that simple. Learn how to fish. Ask yourself, am I willing to do this forever? If not, run away. Now, remember I said willing. Am I willing to do this forever? If I ask some people, are you willing to track macros forever? They would say yes. Some people would say yes. I'm actually one of those people. Macro tracking 
is such a like a low cognitive load habit for me because I've been doing it so much and I have so much experience with it that it literally takes up zero brain space. No energy is required, not a lot of thought. I don't want to do it forever and I don't. I take a lot of time away from tracking. But willing, would I be willing if you told me, hey, you get to maintain this certain level of leanness year round and you have to track all year? Yeah, I'd be willing to do that. If you're not willing, just run away. Just run away. It's that simple. Am I willing to do this forever? If yes, have at it. If no, run away. Because remember, if you get, if you make progress on a program, that you're not willing to do forever. It's, it's a ticking time bomb. It is a ticking time bomb. You're either going to burn yourself out because you're miserable, or you're going to keep struggling to see the results that you want because you have to keep doing the restrictive shit to get there and to stay there, which means you're married to that protocol. That's not a good place to be. Nobody wants to be married to misery. Marry the way of eating that you can live with forever. Who cares about, you know, like, who cares about the outlandish promises? Like, stop getting so caught up in the emotional state of where you're going to be when you achieve your goals. Like, focus on what needs to happen to get there. There's a little goal hack for you. Do you want my number one hack for setting goals? Focus 10% of your attention on the goal itself and 90% of your attention on the actions and habits that need to happen to achieve the goal, because that will be the litmus test. If you feel like those are attainable, then you're golden. If you feel like the steps to get there are just never going to happen because it's way too extreme or restrictive or whatever, then great. Set a different goal or look at a different path to get there, right? This is the core reason why our coaching program is so damn effective because we take each individual We tailor the program based off of their personality type, starting with the brain, right? Their metabolic state. Then we move to the body. We look at their diet history. We look at their personal preferences, their social life, their activity level, their lifestyle. It's no longer a question of if this will work. It's simply when. And the only question is when will you make that change? When will you commit to real change? I know a lot of you say you want real change, but then when push comes to shove and the opportunity is there, you shy away from it because you're so caught up in the fad diet. You're so caught up in the the outlandish promises of quick results. Real change takes time and commitment. Real change is something that you can do forever. When you know you need to modify your behaviors, create the lifestyle that you want to support the body you desire. Everything changes. It's actually really simple. We overcomplicate it because we get so caught up in that emotional state. Oh, it's going to feel so good when I drop this 50 pounds in three months. Uh, Yeah. And then how will it feel when you gain back 60 pounds in the following three months? That'll probably suck. We're so bad at predicting those future states. So focus on here and now. What are the action steps that you can take? Are you willing to do them forever? If yes, great. That's what we do. We come up with your forever plan. It's not a matter of if it'll work. It's simply when. You have to decide when. 
The first step is the hardest. You have to get over that fear. You have to lean on the courage to do something different. Just think, how long am I willing to struggle before I finally make a change? Ask yourself that question. And then when you're ready to move forward, you reach out to me and let me know. Hopefully this was helpful, guys. Always, as always, everything that I say is always said with love. And I will talk to you guys very soon.